Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Wednesday that edition of Sports Conversation on the Fighting Network. I'm Don Henderson. We had a great group of guests tonight. A lot of baseball to talk about, a lot of sports to talk about. And, of course, Roy, as always, is 
Tampa, where things are really uh, down a little bit the last couple of days. And uh, Roger Hendler is in Philadelphia. We'll go with the rest of the guests as the show goes on. Our executive producer is always Frank Carroll. Frank, have you got any comments before we start the show? Yeah, Don, uh, on Wednesday, uh, the 11th, uh, we'll be uh, uh, having a, I guess it's the 80th anniversary of uh, a Veterans Day. And these are very important people in our lives. These are people that saved our lives, that have been out there in the front and would running where we would run away from or other people, saving other people, saving other countries. For those who, who have returned, we thank you for your service. For those who, the families that did, lost someone, the, the Gold Star families, we can never repay you what you've lost. We can never say thank you enough. And for all those chaplains that were out there that jumped on the aircraft, that jumped, that went through the scenes, everything like that, we appreciate you, your loyalty to both your faith, your flock, and, and the United States of America. Amen. All right, Frank, well said. No question about that. They're the people that saved the country, and uh, we'll continue as we go along. And let's go down to Tampa because sort of a sad couple of days in Tampa, Florida. Uh, the Rays had played so well from the outset of the season, setting team records and league records for wins in a row. But things came to an end at the end of the season, and Roy's with us right now in Tampa, covering those uh, Tampa Bay Rays as always in Tampa. Uh, Ron, I, I don't know what to say. They just couldn't do anything right. Boy, you're that's uh, that's <laughs> you're absolutely right. They couldn't do anything right. Um, defensively, uh, yesterday in particular, uh, they were unable to make plays that they made all year. Um, they made plays that were unconscionable or they tried to do things defensively that, you know, they never would have tried at any, at any other point, uh, you know, just bad decision-making defensively. The at-bats were terrible. Um, you know, it wasn't until, uh, what, seventh, eighth inning today that they finally got a run and, uh, you know, and that was a that ended a string of about 31 innings going back to the end of the regular season where they were just struggling to, with the bats. And anytime that happens, especially getting into the playoffs, you know, you're you're in you're in deep because obviously you're going to be facing uh, you know the best uh, you know an opposing team's best pitcher and some of the best pitching in baseball clearly uh, because of some of the best teams in baseball. But um, just didn't look didn't look anything at all like uh, the Rays that we saw very early in the season. Um, and really not even, you know, didn't even look like the Rays that we saw uh, down the stretch. I mean, that team obviously faded a little bit. Injuries had a lot to do with that, I think. I don't think that's an excuse. I think it's just a reality. Um, but they, uh, you know, they, they were still, you know, healthy. The, you know, the, the team that, that uh, you know, finished off uh, solid at the end of the season uh, was there. And they had their best pitcher on the mound and Tyler Glass now yesterday. And uh, he was just okay. Um, bullpen was you know, really not that great, but the defense was just horrible yesterday. And by the time they got to today, the momentum was already, uh, you know, on the side of the Rangers and, and Texas just uh, took a hold. I'm not sure which was, you know, more disappointing, the play of the Rays or the, uh, the show of the uh, fans and the, you know, the, the fan base here in Tampa Bay, uh, 20,000 fans, uh, you know, each game just looked terrible 
just looked terrible, guys. And, uh, you know, Razor, there's some people here in Tampa, you know, arguing that, well, you know, middle of the day, 3 o'clock, people aren't going to take their kids out of school. Well, you know what? This is the kind of thing you, you do take a day off from work from. This is the kind of thing you do take your kids out of school for. for. I mean, it's um, – uh, I'm not saying that everybody has to do it, but uh, nobody else has had any trouble filling up their stadiums. And, uh, um, you know, Minnesota played started a game just an hour later. I, I don't think 4 o'clock makes that big of a difference. It's just another indictment on, on Tampa Bay as a sports town, uh, at least as a baseball city. Well, and uh, Bruce Bochy was able to turn his club around. They died over the weekend, losing six uh, or three in a row, which took them out of the, the first spot in the American League. Uh, as you take a look at it, but Bruce Bochy's had a great uh, career as a manager. He got him back and got him on the winning track. And uh, you took the second part right out of my mouth. The second part of this story is they're talking about putting a new stadium up. They're talking about all these things in Tampa, Florida. They had 19,704 yesterday. Uh, they announced the official attendance in the eighth inning uh, today, but I did not pick up the official attendance. But it looked to me to be a very, very equivalent to what they had yesterday. So, uh, to me, uh, not an indication of what baseball uh, is really needed in St. Petersburg. That's my uh, personal opinion. Let's go to Philadelphia, where it's just the opposite. Roger was there last night. The Phillies uh, struggled a little bit. And the end is they always do when Wheeler goes seven, and then they go to the bullpen. But what a crowd they had and what a game they had. Well, it certainly was, and uh, very exciting, and and as usual, and uh, everybody was on their feet and me with bad knees. I get blocked by all the people standing up in front of me because I can't get up every time. But, uh, Roy, I wanted to get back with you and Don and Frank. Um, they were uh, the uh, Rays were getting uh, some uh, bad national uh, publicity yesterday uh, from Chris Russo, and uh, and it was just about the lack of fan support number one, but also that the Rays have had trouble in the postseason, and uh, I guess a caller called in about the uh, I guess uh, you know the manager may go to the Mets and. Uh, uh, then uh, Chris said he did not think that was possible. Uh, then they, the fellow brought up about a trade, you know, prospects uh, for uh, Greg Council. And uh, I was wondering what your feeling is about this, but uh, that's what his uh, point was, that they, can, they really can't handle uh, a new ballpark when they're only going to draw in a, for a playoff game, at, no matter what level, uh, 19, 20,000. Yeah, well, I, 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 I can't disagree. I, I, can't, I, I can't disagree at all with uh, you know anybody you know criticizing Tampa Chris. Bay as a sports town right now because of right. the lack of attendance at these two playoff games. Uh, look, this, this was a premier matchup. Um, you know, two teams that obviously have been hit by injuries, uh, very similar like teams. Uh, you know, in, in that respect, I mean, obviously the the um, uh, you know the, the Rangers have a have a little bit more you know hitting p- prowess I think than than the uh, than the Rays but uh, you know still the Rays had a 30 home run hitter and uh, look two very attractive teams bottom line is two very attractive teams you, and and how attractive does the opponent have to be it's a playoff game you, you've got to right. be there I mean you don't have to be there but um, you know you would think that in a community of three million people. Uh, Tampa Bay that you would get, uh, you know, uh, 35,000 people to go to the game uh, and, and see the playoffs. Uh, it didn't happen. And it's it's nothing new, really. I mean, uh, they've struggled always to, to get fans. 
their attendance was up a little bit during the regular season this year, but, uh, you know, it didn't show up today and yesterday, and it's kind of an embarrassment. And, uh, you know, look, it, to me it just solidifies uh, the mistake that they're making in, in attempting to build uh, a new stadium on the same, you know, in the same place that the, this one is now. It's just, if you don't know Tampa Bay, it's just, it's too hard for, for too many people to get to. It's, um, you know, it's just, it's very hard to get to from anywhere, uh, you know, from three quarters of the, uh, of the community. It, it's very hard to get to. And um, that's the biggest reason people don't go because the Rays have very good uh, television ratings. Radio ratings are good. You know, they are a very popular team here in Tampa Bay. Um, but fans just don't want to go to the ballpark. Um, and I think, I think, I, I don't think it has much, as much to do with the park itself anymore as the location. Look, the park is no fun. Um, it's, it's a dead atmosphere. It always is. It's very, uh, uh, very, you know, it's, it's kind of fake. You know, they try to, you know, create crowd noise and things like that, try to make it fun, but it's not. Um, it's just a dead atmosphere. There's nothing around the, you know, around the ballpark. Um, and, you know, even though they have plans to try to, you know, build up the area, uh, I just think that going forward, uh, it's it's not going to make a difference. It, you know, they may have a new stadium, but uh, it's not going to draw any new fans, really. Uh, certainly after the first couple of years, it won't. And, uh, and it's going to be unfortunate. Look, uh, if, for the Rays to truly survive and thrive, for the Rays to thrive and bring in fans that uh, will allow them to uh, – you know, compete for some top-level free agents and uh, make a little bit more money and, you know, uh, be a little bit more financially uh, uh, viable uh, in free agency and things like that and competitive, uh, you know, c- compete with, uh, you know, other teams to retain their own players. Uh, they've got to they've build a stadium that's going to, you know, get filled up and uh, the people want to go to it. It's got it's to be a destination. It's got to be a thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's going to have to be in Tampa. So... Who knows if this changes the uh, the approach? Uh, I don't think it does. I think they're pretty locked into staying in St. Pete. Boy, after this weekend or this week rather, these last two games, uh, if I'm ownership, I'm 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 absolutely rethinking that whole uh, that whole thought process and saying, all right, maybe we need to look at Tampa one more time. And of course, the biggest embarrassment of all may have been when you got to the sixth inning or seventh inning. I can't remember exactly whether it was the sixth or the seventh. They took the Rays off. <laughs> they went to the they went to the other game because uh, there just you know, there wasn't any uh, uh, enthusiasm, there wasn't any interest, uh, and they jumped over to the Twins game. And so we got to congratulate the Twins. Uh, they won two straight over the Blue Jays. I thought Toronto had a very solid club. They jumped out uh, three nothing uh, yesterday. The Twins came back and won it, and the Twins win it again today. So uh, again, congratulations to them. Uh, they won a big one and. Uh, Roger, before we leave the playoffs, uh, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the Phillies and their game tonight because they're going to try to make it 2-2 two and two against the Marlins and there'll be three series that where <clears throat> the two teams win in two games. Yeah, well, they have the same starting lineup as last night, Don, and uh, because there's a uh, left-hander going on uh, the mound that uh, the Phillies have had uh, pretty good success against, even though they've had some uh, the, uh, maybe some lack of success in previous years against the Marlins, uh, but uh, there, you know, uh, Kyle Scherber's going to start uh, at and uh, uh, lead off, and uh, then Trey Turner and Eric Bone and 
um, Bryce Harper, right down the line, just like last night. And Christian Pate, Pache, I should say, uh, is going to be in left field because of the right-handed bat uh, versus Brad Marsh. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. It was interesting last night that uh, every p- player in the Phillies starting lineup had a hit. And that was the first time that happened since – uh, the Colorado uh, Rockies game in the playoffs of 2009, uh, and we all remember that season. So uh, the uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I think that uh, they should win. Uh, will they? I don't know. I mean, uh, because the you know the Marlins, I think, are a tough club, and uh, like I said, they've had their number against the Phillies in the past. And uh, I would say this: that, uh, thank goodness that some of the Marlins. Uh, uh, superstars uh, pitching and the field are not playing, and Josh Bell came through uh, really uh, strong last night. He looked really good. Well, before we leave baseball and get to football, because Tampa has a little bit of a uh, a step up, because uh, nobody expected the you know the football team in Tampa this year on the professional level to jump out three and one, which they've done. We'll talk about that in a second, but just a quick uh, comment about the Yankees and what they're doing, uh, or the Mets. I mean, uh, Greg Cancel, do you think he's going to be the next manager? Is David Stern's going to make him the new guy to take over? Uh, the name they saw on the post today, which surprised me a little bit, was Joe Men. I hadn't heard anything about Joe Men going back and managing again. Uh, Roy, we'll go to you first. Uh, <clears throat> you have any uh, any thoughts about who would be the next manager of the Mets? Well, uh, obviously money won't be a, an issue. Uh, they'll be glad to pay for whoever they can get. Uh, look, first of all, I thought it was a mistake getting rid of Buck Showalter. I, I still don't understand that. Um, you know, you went out and paid a whole bunch of money for a lot of agent free agents, and they didn't uh, they didn't come through the way you hoped they would. And um, so you blame the manager. I, I don't know that that makes any sense, but um, I, I don't think it was on him. But um, so I'm not sure you can do much better than Buck Showalter, but one way I think you could do better than Buck Showalter is to get uh, uh, is to get Joe Madden. Um, I think that's something Joe Madden would probably be interested in. I, I look, I, I think Joe Madden still has uh, managing in him. I, I don't think he's ready to give that up. Uh, I don't think he liked the way it ended in uh, L.A. Uh, I know he didn't really like it, you know, all that much the way it ended in Chicago, even though he had something to say about you know moving away from there. But uh, I, I think that would be a good spot for him. Um, you know, but I think Joe Madden is smart too. And I think he's going to look at the, uh, at the farm system and say, okay, well, where are we? You know, how close are we? Uh, I know we've got some pieces here, but we've got to hold on to those pieces too. Um, you know, what are we doing, uh, you know, at shortstop? What are we doing at, at first base? Are, are we keeping Pete Alonso? Um, what are we doing in the outfield? You got some, some players who are, you know, on the, uh, you know, getting up in age and um, and their abilities are starting to wane a little bit. So uh, you might be looking at a, at a tear down and a rebuild um, at this point. Well, let me just so jump in to say they, they've already announced, uh, Roy, they've already announced that they, they, they are going to maintain, uh, you know, uh, he hit 40, what, 46 home runs this year, and he still has one year remaining on a contract. So it, it looks like he's a definite stay and they're going to put off making an extended contract offer or trading him until the end of next year. Roger, your thought also, Joel Sherman had a great piece today in the post uh, about Buck Showalter going over to the Yankees and becoming the leading force from an executive standpoint 
in the Yankees because he knows the farm system so well. He knows the organization so well. Formerly, formerly worked for the organization, and uh, Joel had a lot of great points in the post today that he may be the right guy to hire as your executive uh, producer, though, so to speak. Roger? Well, I think that's a great idea, I mean, and they're exactly right. And, you know, before he went back into uh, managing, he was terrific on MLB Network. And right. uh, the guy I look at, you know, that, that will surprise me, he winds up back uh, in, in the integration in, um, uh, with a team or in, in uh, the baseball park uh, is Ruben I'm, uh, you know, he still keeps uh, his uh, tabs on everything. I think he does a tremendous job as an analyst. And I was watching the pregame show, and he really brings a lot to the table. He really does. And, uh, you know, he was a successful general manager. He, uh, you know, he's a player. He even went back, I think, to the Red Sox, didn't he? He's like a first-base coach uh, or something one year. So, you never know. I mean, uh, I think they have to go with somebody that's got experience. I think the uh, situation with Rob Thompson, the success with the police, and uh, Brian Schnicker, uh, I'll offer with the Braves. And then, uh, as Chris Roos mentioned, look at Dusty, okay, what he was used to. And uh, at, at Bruce Bochy coming back to and what he did first Hey, let's bring back the senior citizens as managers. Well, let's uh, let's jump now because Roy, uh, at least a little bit of a surprise to me. Uh, you know, the Bucks have gotten off to such a terrific start at three-one, and more importantly, the game they played against the Eagles went right down to the, the last drive when the Eagles took an offensive uh, thrust and went right down the field and scored and won the game. But uh, I don't think anybody expected, you know, that Tampa Bay was going to get off to a successful start. Uh, as they have what you're you're right there you're covering the team what do you think yeah i would say that outside of tampa bay uh, that's that was probably the case nobody really gave them any credit and figured that they would probably struggle more than anything uh even out of the gate but uh look you know i look at the team and i i thought all along that they're that they're good enough to to win their division um you know i think they're an eight nine ten I, before the season started i thought they were an eight nine ten win team uh, based just based on primarily on the fact that they're going to face you know play six seven eight games against their own opponents in their division which are all fairly weak and you look at the schedule and it's okay it's not exceptional uh, you know you got the Bears on there as we saw and and the Vikings and so so far what the Bucks have done is they've taken good advantage of their schedule they've beaten the teams that they um, are capable of beating I don't know if we should say they should have beat but uh, and then and then they uh, obviously struggled against the Eagles. Um, so, and there's no shame in that. Uh, but they've gone out and played very good football in three games against teams that uh, are beatable and proven that they're a little bit better than those teams. Um, you know, the fact that all those teams are now below 500 uh, or 500 below, uh, I think it says something. But, again, you look at the Bucks' schedule, and it's not that, you know, heavy laden with, with uh, powerhouse teams, at least right now. you got the Bills on there. you got the 49ers on there. Um, but you know, other than that, uh, they, again, they, they should not have a problem here, especially with three already, uh, you know, winning, uh, eight, nine, 10 games. And if they can do that, I think they can win the division because Carolina is proving to be, um, what can we thought Carolina would be? The Falcons are inconsistent. 
and uh, the Saints are, uh, you know, a little bit on. Well, they're struggling too. So I think the division is right there for Tampa Bay. I'm not surprised. Look, they're getting very good football out of uh, Baker Mayfield. I think he's the biggest surprise. There's a lot of talent on this team, both sides of the football, but it's all about the quarterback. And this guy's come through, and so far he's playing uh, his heart out, and uh, he's impressing people. He's playing hard, and I think everybody's very excited about the way he's uh, the way he's leading this team right now. Roger, conversely, in Philadelphia, the Eagles have won all their games. They're they're playing well, but they certainly take you to the wire every game before they win it. Yeah, they do. They haven't gotten the offense uh, really in hot gear yet. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the the team that really is a shocker is the Giants. I mean, they don't look good at all, and uh, now there's. A lot of well, you probably saw, it, I guess, in the, in the uh, post. I'm sure they had a lot, of, like in New York uh, sports radio, uh, about they were throwing last year, and uh, with the, they were fortunate to win when they did. And uh, maybe it is something, but they obviously have problems with the um, offensive line to you know take care of the, uh, the quarterback. Uh, but you know, Washington uh, looked. Pretty good against the uh, Eagles. Maybe it shouldn't have uh, if they uh, had not scored that. The Eagles had not scored that touchdown. They should be Brown, uh, you know, with a minute 40 to go. They could have run the clock down and uh, would have kicked the field goal. But listen, you know, coaches do things and uh, they won the game. So, But they, well, I think the test will be this week going to Seattle. Speaking about Washington, uh, you know, I had seen Hal play a few games at North Carolina during his college career. He made the decision not to come out. They go back and uh, take an, an additional year thinking he would move up in the draft. It went just the other way around. He didn't play that well. His extra year at North Carolina, he dropped down. I think he, I think he was a third-round draft. Roy would probably know better than I. I think he was a third-round choice. But anyway, uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles, a couple of things. One, uh, I'd like to get your comment on this. One, how he played uh, against the Eagles and how he's played so far this season. Number two, how can a coach of the team, when he takes them down and gets a touchdown with one second to go in the game, on the road to tie it up and not go for two points? How are you going to win a game on the road as a visiting club when you're a big-time underdog and you don't go for the win? Roy, I'll let you comment first. Uh, who are you talking about? Washington. Ron Rivera. Oh. Um, look, I, I don't question too much He could have gone Ron for Rivera. the two, Roy. That was Don's point. Instead of yeah. instead of going to tie for OC. Well, I think, you know, a lot of times, I think more and more you're seeing teams say, well, look, the, the way the rules are now in overtime, is everybody's going to touch the ball unless you give up a touchdown. I think if you feel, you know, confident in your defense, um, you know, you, you say, okay, look, take me to overtime. I'll take my chances there because your chances of uh, winning there are probably just as good as getting a two-point conversion. Um, you know, give your team a rest, let everybody get a, you know, get a breath, and, uh, uh, you know, see if you can win a, a coin toss and, uh, and score a touchdown or play defense, take the ball away. I, I, I just think more teams are kind of going that direction uh, the more we go in that area. So, uh, you know, in those situations. So I don't, I don't, I don't question that, Even, no matter on the road or not. Um, 
I don't have a problem with that. And as far as uh, you know, the quarterback goes, well, um, look, there's it's been a lot of turmoil in Washington. Um, you know, they're trying to piece it together, and we'll see if they can uh, – how well they can piece it together. I, there's no question that Dallas and, uh, and the Eagles are the, are the premier teams in that division right now. We're surprised at what the, uh, at what the Giants have done so far, not done. Um, but I'm not that surprised at what, the, what, the, what Washington has done. I mean, they're, they're struggling from leadership. They've had a, a pretty tumultuous offseason of their own doing. So. Um, but I, I don't question Ron Rivera too often. I, I think he's one of the he's, – he's what I refer to as a, a professional head coach. Um, there's ways to look, plenty of ways to look at it, but I don't necessarily mind a guy, you know, going for the tie, get get me to overtime, and I'll take my chances there. Let's <laughs> let's play some real football here. I don't have a problem with that. Well, I'll tell you, you and I disagree every once in a while, and this is one I disagree. You're going against a team that's expected to go to the <laughs> Super Bowl. You're in their building, and you've just you've just your quarterback is just taking you in a minute of 37 or 40 seconds, the length of the field with one second to go, scored a touchdown. And you got all the momentum in the world going for you, and you decide to uh, forego all that and go for the overtime. I, I uh, Roger, I go back to you. I, I can't. I would never do that. Well, I understand uh, your thinking, but I also understand Roy's. And uh, uh, I, you have to look at the situation. Uh, you have to uh, think of whether you have success. Uh, with the doing version of uh, the Eagles had a success. Uh, they, they also have a lot of success of uh, getting first, down I can't, I can't. Uh, first and and one, you know. So it uh, it should it works way. So, what are you saying again? Hello. Say it again. Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, it's kind of gravelly, but go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, uh, no. Uh, is this uh, Roy Cummings? No, no. That was not Roy. <laughs> Take okay. care. All right, let's go back Take to Philadelphia right now. And uh, that's, of course, that's where Roger is as well. But Sonny Hill, an old partner of mine, we broadcast together for a number of years and We've known each other for a hundred years, and uh, Sonny is uh, has always been, and will continue to be connected with WIP. He does a show in the living room every Sunday morning for those people. Sonny, how many years is it now for the living room? Well, welcome to my living room. <laughs> how many years? There we go. Uh, I'm celebrating my 37th anniversary. 37. There you go. 30. Well, and Sonny, of course, has been involved in basketball. His life has the Sunny Hill League, had the uh, played in the Eastern League, uh, has been a, a part of the uh, NBA and the 76ers for years in administrative capacity. And Sonny, nice to have you with us again. We're right around the corner for the beginning of the NBA. And I guess we'd have, I'd have to ask you, uh, uh, the Eastern Conference, a lot of changes with the 76ers. A lot of changes with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Knicks yep. are making changes in and out. They were pretty competitive last year. Boston continues to be the cream of the crop. Your thoughts before we get to something else? No, the uh, NBA is always evolving. 
interesting to see Leonard going to Milwaukee and then Drew Holiday going to the Boston Celtics. I think those two moves, uh, I think they balance out from my perspective. I know a lot of people want to give Milwaukee an edge because of uh, Leonard's fact that uh, Drew goes to uh, the Boston Celtics. I think he rounds them all very well. Exceptional two-way player. Uh, knows how to get other people involved. And I think from the Celtics' point of view, uh, the ball is going to move a lot more, and uh, the players are going to be able to play at a higher level. Roger? Uh, Sonny, uh, I want to ask you, what is, what's your opinion about Harden coming back to the Sixers? I heard today that he's been uh, – I, I don't know whether you caught me on that. No, I was wondering, I wanted your opinion of uh, coming back to the Sixers. I never thought that uh, he'd play another minute with the Sixers, but he's back in camp, I understand. Well, he showed up today. So uh, we're hoping that uh, he and Morley can uh, work out whatever their differences are. And if um, if he can play and has the right attitude, uh, I think it's on the answer. Nick Nurse, what kind of uh, what kind of an offense is he going to be able to run? And 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 John, uh, you're familiar with that with your basketball background. Uh, you can only run one offense if you have um, Hardy. If you don't have Hardy, and then the ball moves more, he's a dominant player in terms of uh, the shot clock and, and, and tipping, and the offense doesn't flow as well. well I'll tell you, I, I think it's going to be very, very interesting in the East uh, because, again, we're – we're looking at the 76ers making some adjustments, and as you just pointed out, uh, you know, where's Harden going to be? Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, I know Simmons is a great friend of yours. You've worked with him since he was a young man. He went through training camp. He said this is the first time in three years that he's been 100% healthy and ready to go. Uh, you're in a better position to comment on that. Do you think he's ready to go, and is he going to make a full season? I think that has yet to be seen. Uh, and reference to what Ben is going to be able to do, um, I think it's more mental than physical. Uh, is he prepared to take the next step in his game, which is to shoot the ball? And if you're not making the shot, people are going to be who uh, and an iron and reference to what's going on. So I think that if he can deal with that, he has the skills. His skills are exceptional. At six foot ten, he can play five positions in the NBA in this era. There are very few players that have the uh, diversity that he brings to the floor, plus his mental aptitude. He's a highly intelligent basketball player when he's playing at his highest level. Sonny, would you say that the championship is going to remain where it was in 22? 
or do you think there's a good chance that uh, there is a little bit better competitive schedule at the top and it may go right down to uh, the best of one or two teams? No, I think people uh, really do not give uh, the Denver uh, team the respect that they have earned. Uh, and, and reference to the Joker, Djokovic, and my years of watching NBA basketball and all and going all the way back to great George Mikan, which most people have no idea what I'm talking about. I've watched all of the great centers that have played this game. In my opinion, he's the most intellectual center to have played the game. The only one that I put in his category would be Sabonis. But when Sabonis came to the NBA, he wasn't the Sabonis that Will Chamberlain told me about when Will went to the Olympics and when Sabonis was playing with Russia and he was this young player, Will came home and told me, said, Sonny, this guy Sabonis, man, he is a tremendous basketball player. But we only saw a portion of it because of his health and his age by the time he got to uh, Portland. But uh, And Djokovic, you're talking about somebody that emulates some of the things that uh, Sabonis was able to do. Roger, you're up. I think you got you got a little a little uh, something in the phone there, Roger. I I don't know if it's in, uh, with. Uh, yes, it is. There's some interference uh, that's in the background. It's not from Sunny. I uh, you know got the uh, something along the line, and uh, but the, the you know I heard. I heard uh, one of your co-workers at WIP is writing a book about the slam dunk. I'll tell you what, that'll be an interesting uh, piece of uh, literature. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to read when it comes out in the uh, future uh, because there was uh, no no one better than Will with that. With what? With what? Well, uh, Will with a slam dunk, and the doctor with a slam dunk. Well, you know when you start talking about Will and these young folks want to write books and they want to try to, you know, talk to people about what goes on, they really don't have a real perception of the. And somebody in the background that's just running their mouth. I don't know what that is, but you, it's hard to uh, watch that. It's hard to uh, have a conversation with uh, that interference in the background. I don't know what it is. You are, you're, you're exactly right, Sonny. What we'll do is that we'll put, put it off right here and we'll come back uh, and next week or the week after when the season's about ready to start uh, when we've got a much clearer line. I don't, know where the, I don't know where the interference is coming from. But right. thank you very much for the time so far tonight. Right. It's always a pleasure. And keep that 38th year going at WIP. Well, the main thing is you get well, my friend. Uh, whatever I can do to kind of keep you in a situation where you're motivated and you're inspired, uh, I'm always going to try to be there for you. Thank you, man. You're the best. Uh-uh. All right, baby. Take, Take care. 
Okay. Sonny Hill, one of the one of the outstanding basketball people, and of course those folks that uh, have lived and uh, been around the Philadelphia area. Sonny Hill grew up in the Philadelphia area. He's been uh, a staunch contributor at Temple University, a staunch contributor in uh, a number of other situations. And uh, so uh, all we can say is that what a great partner he was when we were broadcasting together for a number of years uh, with Temple. And uh, no one knows more about basketball. He was on the NBA. Obviously, most people know that are a little older. Uh, Sonny was one of the first uh, color commentators on CBS uh, uh, radio and TV, and uh, sorry we had a bad line and we couldn't uh, because Wilt Chamberlain is his heart and soul. Anytime you can talk about Wilt, his great friend, he grew up with him, went to Overbrook. Uh, they're, they're great, uh, great. They were great pals when he was alive, and uh, it's, it's great to talk to him about Wilt. And unfortunately, we just had that had the bad line. So let me check in now with our executive producer, Frank Carroll, and uh, see whether. Uh, our next guest is ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I've got uh, a call into him right now. I will. Uh, I will let you. Oh shoot! Oh, uh, you know, Don. Uh, can, you know, can you hear me now, Don? Now I can hear you plain as day. Okay, great. The uh, I I'm just getting, getting back. Uh, the Phillies games uh, underway and. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, everybody seems to feel, not everybody, but a lot of the media seems to feel that even if lose tonight, they'll come back tomorrow night. Uh, I don't put it that way. I think that uh, I was concerned until they finally won on Sunday to get that ninth win because they lost uh, four in a row since they they clinched. Uh, but uh, the uh, – Oh, it just struck out the uh, opening of the first batter, the uh, leadoff hitter, uh, Miami. So I think if he comes near to uh, what Wheeler did last night, that was a swinging strike. So I think that uh, they'll be in good shape. And if we just have two strong pitchers, if they win tonight, they start kick off the uh, division series in Atlanta. That is not going to be an easy task. Going against well, as you said earlier, as you said earlier, they've had their difficulty with Miami, but uh, right now Nola and Nola in particular, uh, uh, you know, his ERA is not great against Miami. However, his overall record and his ERA over the league and his strikeout totals are uh, incomparable to a lot of other players. So. You know, he just has not had great success at times against Miami, so we'll see what happens tonight. Well, he has uh, gave up a lot of homes this year. You know, more than he ever gave up. But, uh, I'll, be, I'll be anxious to see if uh, I, and I, I, they will, but I, I just don't see anybody, to be honest with you, Don. They will go to the World Series. I think they're the best team in baseball uh, by far because, uh, you know, with, with their thing. You're, you're dropping out again, uh, <laughs> Roger, and also a lot of something in the background. I don't know if it's, uh, uh, you know, cross lines or what, but a lot of static in the background. So uh, I don't know whether we could move you around a little bit and uh, 
get you into another spot. We had the dog barking in the first first segment. I don't know where that dog was coming from. But, uh, we're, 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 we're having some fun tonight, I'll tell you that. Probably chasing Roger. <laughs> well, I'm going to call him again, okay? Okay, and we'll see if we get Mike Schultz. Yeah. Is Mike Schultz the upper head or not? Not yet. It's, uh, I got to call him. I got to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We're going to talk college for the next segment. I'll just hold it on here until Roger gets reconnected and until uh, Frank gets reorganized over at the other end of the c- control center. And uh, a lot of great football uh, has been played over the last couple of weekends. Some great football this weekend. Texas, Oklahoma in the Red River Ray contest. Texas for the first time up in the top three uh, nationally and are six and a half point favorite. Uh, Florida State obviously is going to take on Virginia Tech. A surprise. Florida State who's had a terrific start on the season at 23 and 5. And I know Mike Schulte will tell us a great deal about that when he joins us, uh, our, uh, our college football expert, uh, Alabama and uh, Texas A&M. This one's a little bit closer than I thought. Uh, Texas A&M is a a two-and-a-half-point underdog. I uh, know Alabama has really struggled in the early going, but I thought they'd be a little bit bigger favorite than that. Georgia is only a a, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite over Kentucky. Kentucky has played some good football, and yet they play some shaky football. And, of course, Notre Dame went right down to the wire last Saturday night. Terrific game on television, and uh, finally wound up winning it. Uh, Navy put on a terrific show, and... uh, uh, they're playing Louisville. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. And when Mike Schulte gets on, we'll talk about the bowl situation, which is uh, way too early to talk about, but just to mention, because he's the executive director and has been for almost 35 years. So we'll chat about that a little bit, too. And, uh, Don, Mike, Mike's the, with us now. Mike is with us now. Mike Schulte, good to have yes, you yes. with us. And I said a minute ago, some great games coming up this weekend, but also – Talk about some of the ones last week. I, I I gotta take exception with the first three weeks of the season. Other than the LSU game the first three weeks of the season, I didn't see very much to watch out there. But when you got to the fourth week it was a lot better. Well, yeah, I mean uh, there's there's something to be said. First of all, uh glad to be with you guys tonight. And uh yeah, can you believe we're you know, we're what, five weeks into the season almost? I mean it's just crazy. So um I mean, there's been some good games uh, here and there, and I think there's been. Yeah, I think uh, one. You know, there there obviously are some of those games where, um, you know, they're pretty lopsided, but you know, based on the scheduling and so forth. But I think also you've been able to start to see a little bit about you know what teams are are made up. We we've talked to you know ad nauseum about you know the transfer portal and the NIL situation and how that has it changes the the makeup of teams from year to year much more than it used to be. I mean, it used to be you just lose some kids to graduation, maybe have a couple go out early to the NFL, but, you know, pretty much you knew what you had coming back, and then you, you sort of evaluate who the new guys and how quickly they could play. Now, of course, with the transfer portal, teams are, you know, swapping players right and left all over the place, and it makes it real hard going into the season uh, for, for folks on the outside at least to, to sort of know what kind of teams, you know, the, their favorite team are. So 
Um, you know, going even even when you play, you know, teams that aren't aren't big names or whatever on your schedule, you, you start to sort of evaluate, you know, what what do you ha- what you have, and and uh, as you start to get into conference play, which we we started to do now in the last week or so, um, obviously that you know that the real test, and so uh, now that we're you know seeing a lot of conference uh, matchups and so forth, you know, you're really starting to to see you know, what's out there and, and who's for real and who's not. Mike Schilder, our special guest, and Mike, just extending, that was my next question, which really beat me to it a little bit. The NCAA is now taking under consideration they want more clarity uh, and transparency on what's happening right now because uh, so many of these kids are getting so much money in different areas from different people, and uh, they're having a meeting, I believe. You'll know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, they're supposed to have a meeting, I believe, next uh, Monday or Tuesday. It's next week, one day. I don't know which day. Uh, to try to clarify uh, what they're going to allow from here on out, they're going to try to make some changes because it just didn't work. Yeah, well, you know, then you know, then NCAA threw their hands up uh, going into the the new NIL rule. You know, a few years ago, um, they, you know, from my understanding, they they were supposed to be studying. And we're going to come out with a plan uh, prior to the start of the NIL um, process. And instead, they came out and said, "Well, you know, we're, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to wait and let the let the Washington D.C. decide, you know, uh, the regulations." Well, there's two things there. Number one, anybody thinks that Washington D.C. is a good uh, source <laughs> right. to fix anything is crazy. Uh, personally, that's my thought. Uh, but but also the fact that you've got um, you know the timing you know obviously that was not something that the Washington D.C. or any legislature or federal government or state government was ready to to tackle. So so NIL starts off July 1st of you know a couple of years ago and with no rules and so you ended up with uh, suddenly states trying to suddenly you know scramble to put together rules and as to how they were going to handle things, you know, what, what schools could do in their state. And then you ended up with all these different rules from different states and a lot of states don't have any rules. And so, you know, you know, the, the, you know, the, the horse followed the cart there big time and, and they didn't know what the heck they were doing. So now they're trying to provide some semblance of, of order to it, but you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the, in the tube. So right. um, about all they can do is try and make sure the toothpaste doesn't get all over the bathroom, right? So, so they're they're just uh, you know they they are trying to I guess you know look at some parameters that they can use across the board that will make things a little bit more organized, uh, and and you know we'll see what they come up with, but it's going to be really hard and it's going to take time. Uh, because you know, uh, again, you know, when you when you've gotten to the, you sort of let everything go wild to start with, it, it's hard to get you know those horses back into any kind of corral, and uh, and I don't know um, you know how much they're going to be really able to affect things for the better. Well, I think one big the one thing that affected this week uh, and last week maybe more than any other, and uh, I, I don't want to get into the teams or anything, but uh, there was one player that. Uh, one university alumni association or the boosters or whatever group you want to use uh, are putting together seven people uh, that are putting together substantial money. I mean, you know, I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, two and three hundred thousand uh, dollars 
to have a, mm-hmm. a young fella come and, and play football at their school. Well, holy smokes. I mean, uh, you know, uh, this is another world. <laughs> and I, I just can't yeah. believe that the NCAA is going to continue to allow something like this to happen. Well, again, I mean, you know, there, there's certain things that the aspects of it they can't stop at this point. You know, they, they should have thought of that, you know, a long time ago. And and players, you know, they should be able. I, I personal feeling. It's just my my you know my personal feeling. You know, they should they should be able to to capitalize on their name and image and 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 provide you know be able to make make more money you know money if they're if they have the ability to do that uh, in different ways. So uh, you know, no, there's no issues there. You know the issue at hand is the fact that the, there's, um, you know, there's one of the issues that the NCAA can sort of help with is the fact that you know education of the players, potentially doing some kind of a a, uh, a standardized kind of licensing as to who can provide uh, money, who can who can um, uh, manage these deals that that are being offered to the kids. So that the kids don't get stuck in a bad situation um, and, and, and things of that nature. So, so I think that's what some of the schools are trying to do now is they're trying to they're they're trying to provide some kind of an order to the process. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know whether you have uh, a thousand alumni going into a collective and and each putting in a hundred bucks a piece. Or you got one or two donors that you know, going into a collective and putting a, up a whole bunch of money, you know, piece into this pot of money. Um, you know, it's still it's still going to be money that's you know going to the athletes. And and again, if if they're you know, as long as they're required to do um, you know uh, certain things to earn the money and so forth, and 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 their um, ability to do that, then that's you know then that's how the system is. So. It's got to play, you know, within the rules of the system. I, I think the tough part um, that that the NCAA is uh, is going to have a hard time with, and 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 should, you know, in my opinion, personal opinion, just be worried about more than anything is is the fact that you're not just in a situation where you have uh, let's go back to say a Tim Tebow, right, and he should be able to make money off of, you know, when people buy his jersey, right, because it has his name on it. So he should make a portion of the money, you know, that kind of thing, right? So that, you know, that's that's sort of, you know, um, sort of a, a general kind of thing that, that makes a lot of sense. But when you have um, people offering kids who have not signed with with colleges and they're coming out of high school, say, and they're being offered money to go to a particular school, um, that's like a whole nother level, right? And that, that's sort of what the NCAA for, for forever, going back decades, was trying to prevent, right, is, is people paying kids to come to the, their, you know, their particular school. Exactly. And, exactly. And th- so that's the, that's the part that is really, I think, you know, gonna, something that hopefully they can get a handle on so that, you know, if a kid's at, at a school and they're, and they're doing really well and they're being – and they're, you know, real popular and they have a big following or they become a star player and they want to capitalize on that, then good for them, you know. But, but you know, paying kids, you know, uh, out of, coming out of high school and to, to determine what school they go to is, is uh, you know, and doing it in a, in a direct sense like what you're talking about is, 
is one of the areas that that I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to try and figure out a way to to try and tamp that down. Well, let's get back well, to your bailiwick, which is which is actually Don. Don, they've had that problem with the NBA for years. You know, where you play one year and then uh, in college and then you can play in the NBA. Don, I, 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 I don't know exactly what Roger said, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, Roger, you're waking up pretty no, bad there. I, uh, okay. Yeah, let me, let me go back forward. while we straight that. Let me go back while we straight that out and, and go back to your bailiwick, uh, really, uh, and that's football. Uh, let's talk about yeah. the, you know, let's talk about some of the teams that you've seen early going. Uh, for instance, Florida State, uh, boy, they played a terrific game earlier. I think it was the second game of the year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, second game of the year, and uh, uh, that was one of the really good games that were played in the first few weeks, but. Uh, uh, it looks to me like we've got some teams now that are going to be really well balanced out, and it's not going to be a given for Alabama and Georgia and these schools to go to the national championship. Your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, well, I think going back to what I started out saying, and uh, you know, with the portal and the fact that the you know you don't really know what a team's like until they play a few games or a handful of games against competition. Um, I think you know one of the things that I've seen this year. To your point, um, you know, there's been a couple teams that seem like, you know, really, really, really strong, at least so far. Uh, that's what they seem. And one of them is Florida State. Um, they've got most of their kids back. Uh, they picked up where they left off. They're they're playing really well. I mean, you know, they they you know they were uh, they played a very close game against Clemson, but you know, good teams win close games, so they're playing really well. Um, uh, you know. Oregon, you know, uh, same thing. There's how how states, you know, played well. Um, uh, so, you know, you you've you've got a few teams out there that are that are sort of out there, sort of like the top cream of the crop kind of thing. But to your point, there's a lot of teams out there that have question marks. They they maybe haven't played up to the level everybody was expecting them to. Um, you know, obviously Alabama losing earlier in the year. Uh, but again, you know, remember they only beat Texas by one point last year, and Texas quarterback last year got knocked out in the first quarter. So, so that's not a huge surprise. But you know, uh, then they didn't look quite as good in a couple other games as they as we're used to seeing. But again, it, you know, so I, I think that what you're seeing is just is across the board, top to bottom, you, you're seeing a, just I think a lot more parity in the sport. Uh, at least, you know, through the top 25, 30 teams um, where, you know, there's not that many teams, maybe a couple, where you sit there and say, well, there's no way they're going to lose this week, you know, no matter who they play. I mean, there's, you know, it's almost like everybody can be beat out there. Um, you know, they've, you know, nobody is, you know, there's just not teams that are fully dominating um, to the point where you know you don't think that they, they there isn't a chance they couldn't be beat. So, so I, I think it's in a way it's it's pretty fun for the sport because, as you mentioned, I mean you're going to have potentially you know some you know in the playoffs this year the 14 playoff you may have four teams in there that haven't been in the playoff yet, or, or at least for a while. Um, well, and, Texas hasn't and been. So Texas that, that's hasn't been. Any... Really interesting. 
Texas hadn't been anywhere near there since '09. So, you know, right now yeah. they're number well, three, and this is the first yeah. time that they really made a, a an honest to God search. Yeah, well, like you said, Florida State's up there in the top where they haven't been in a number of years, and I, I, I'm just saying, you know, you know, and that's not to say that Georgia won't be there, maybe Indiana or Ohio State or Michigan, but you know, the point is, it's like you know, when you look at these teams right now today you know, five, you know, games in a season, five, six games in a season, you know, there's, like I said, in my mind, there's just not that many teams where, you know, when you're sitting there, you know, doing your poll each week on who's going to win, they're automatics no matter who they're playing. And then, now, you know, now all the rest of them you got to figure out. I mean, there, there's a lot of – I mean, there's some games this week. I mean, I, you know, can, Georgia hasn't looked all that great this year. I mean, they've won. Almost lost they last week. They haven't – they have not. They have not looked like the team, even in their wins. They have not looked like the team that they looked like the past two years. So they have injuries, and maybe that'll get fixed. But you know, and in Kentucky, you know, they're looking you know pretty darn good. So that that's going to be a heck of a, a matchup this week. I mean, the last two years, you were you would never have hesitated to pick Georgia going to beat Kentucky, but this year, mm, I don't know. You know, and that kind of thing. So, and and there's a lot of as I'm saying, there's a lot of games like that. You know, LSU has sort of been up and down. Uh, you know, Ole Miss. You know, they're they're a really good team, but you know, they've got I think you know a couple losses. Um, uh, you know, and you know, but again, they're 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 a good team. I mean, so it's 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 just really I think just really hard right now to determine. Um, you know who you know, say the top four or five teams really are, um, or, or certainly past the, the top three teams, um, I, I think this weekend you're going to see um, a couple upsets in the top ten, let's put it that way. And I think that um, I think that the, the rankings are going to change quite a bit over the next three weeks from what they are today, those top ten or fifteen teams, because uh, there's going to be a handful of those guys that probably aren't, where they are now in, in the next, in the next few weeks, um, because right. the parody is just showing, showing up too, too much. And, uh, and, you know, it, these, you know, they these guys are going to war every week. There's, there's not a lot of gimme, gimme games out there for anybody right now. Mike, the one, uh, <laughs> has always been unrealistic to me. Notre Dame is always up there in the, in the numbers. Uh, and yet, uh, when it comes to playoff competition, it becomes obvious they're they're not quite a number eight team or a number seven team or a number six team. I think it's just the opposite this year. Uh, I think they do have a legitimate team. They uh, I don't know what the ranking was. I don't have the paper in front of me. What are they? Not eight or nine today? I don't know what they are. But uh, I think they are a legitimate team this year uh, to compete up near the top someplace, as opposed to many other years where I disagree with that. Yeah, well, and again, I mean, you know, yeah, they lost to Ohio State, but Ohio State, you know, they're ranked, what, number two, you know, when they lost to them? I mean, you know, so, you know, I mean, you know, if you're number 10 and you're playing number two, number 10 is supposed to lose, right? I mean, you know, you know, the point is, is that, is that you're right. I mean, they're a very good team. Um, You know, I, I think that, I think that historically, I think the thing with Notre Dame not being in a, a um a full member of a conference um you know their their schedule is you know is, isn't quite as strong as it probably 
could be if they were in correct. Obviously, if they're in correct. the SEC or, or some, even the ACC, you know. So well, what they won like twenty two straight think, against ACC teams. I think it's the, I think it's twenty two. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think well, that's the my, number. The point. Yeah, my point being is that you know they're they may be a little bit harder to discern how good they really are from year to year. You know, if when they don't play in years, they don't play uh, um, a high level out of you know out of conference, not out of conference. Um, you know, high level teams. You know, highly ranked teams. And so, um, you know, so I, again, it's it's just uh, you know makes it a little bit harder to discern how good they really are at the end of the season. But you know, I, but you're right. I, I think they're a really good team. I think they they can go a very long way this year, potentially. But they're also not to the point where if they have they don't play a really good game, they could get beat a couple times. You know, so uh, they don't have the luxury of having a team, say like Georgia was the last two years, or Alabama has been, you know, you know, of recent years, where right. they can have an off game and they're still going to they're still going to beat the guy, you know, the other guy, right? It's like they're, you know, that's what I'm saying. I guess is that there's not a, I don't know if there's any teams out there right now that are to that level. Um, like they're like the, in the past, there, there's been it always in the past. It seems like you know the top five or six teams, you know they're not going to lose unless they play each other, kind of thing, right? You know, and and now it's sort of like you know every week you're sort of wondering if they're if this is going to be the week that they slip up and maybe get get beat. So uh, I, again, I just go back to the parity. I think there's, there's so much parity, and, and certainly if you take teams like eight through twenty five, thirty. Those guys playing each other, uh, I think every game is just about, you know, a toss-up, uh, you know, as to who's going to win. It just depends on who plays well that night because uh, the parity is, is so um, so um, extensive out there that, uh, it you know, everybody's going to have to fight every week. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see where everybody lands at the end of the day. You know, last year, uh, last season, meaning a year ago, um, uh, out of the top 25 preseason poll a year ago, uh, 15 of those teams weren't even ranked at the end of the year. Okay, so right. you know that that's that's how hard it is now. Uh, again, going back to the portal and all that kind of stuff, where you where you can change the make the look of your team very quickly for the positive or for the worse based on who comes and who leaves each year because of the portal and. And so it makes it really hard to determine at the beginning of the year how good everybody is until they play, uh, you know, some games. And and realistically, until they play probably, you know, three or four conference games or, or games against, you know, uh, ranked opponents. Um, well, that's, uh, that's when you really understand how good they really are. Your bowl game's been at Raymond James now for how many consecutive years? I can't remember. You've worked for them almost every one, I guess. But uh, they're also, we talked about at the end of last season uh, a little bit, uh, there's some changes in the selection. Maybe you go over on some of the changes that were made from the end of last year into this year and yeah. what what your situation yeah, not, is as far as selecting teams. Yeah, it hasn't changed from last year, but, but we do have – so we have traditionally um, uh, for 20 – over 25 years, we've matched Big Ten versus SEC in our game. And that's that's our main matchup this year, uh, of course, as well. Uh, we do have a, uh, a, uh, a caveat in our 
contract where if a Big Ten team is placed in the Orange Bowl, then instead of a Big Ten team, we would choose an ACC team or Notre Dame if available in, in our game to play an SEC team. So that's the situation, you know, that occurs this year as well. Um, and uh, so so we could have uh, North Carolina or Clemson or Notre Dame or, uh, um, you know, Louisville or somebody like that in our in our um, uh, game in, in place of a Big Ten team this year, just depending on how everything uh, you know works out at the end of at the end of the season and so forth, and 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 uh, who is slotted uh, by the the uh, uh, CFP committee into the the Orange Bowl. So a lot of good uh, possibilities, um, you know, in in all all the leagues, all three leagues that we're partnered with, and and uh, you know we're looking forward to a great game this year again as we typically have, and um, we're looking forward to celebrating our 38th year here in Tampa. And also your connection with ESPN, uh, that's been a long range. All your associations with not only the sponsors, but also with the networks carrying your games, and as you indicated, uh, I, I, you, you know better than I, but I would say uh, – Four or five of the last eight have gone down to the final drive or to overtime. I mean, almost yeah. every game that has been in your in your cycle has, has been a terrific yeah. game. Yeah, we've had some re- really good games. We've had, I think, four or five overtime games. Uh, and then, like you said, we've had even and even more that went down to the final drive. Uh, um, you know, we even last year, I mean, uh, Mississippi State, the game was tied up, Mississippi State, goes down, kicks a field goal um, with literally seconds left. Um, I think five five seconds left in the game. Uh, they pick kick a field goal to to take the lead, and um, and then um, if you recall, ironically, so they kick off to uh, to Illinois. Illinois uh, fair catches the uh, the um, the kickoff in return. So they there's five seconds on the clock, and they try a desperation, um, you know, hook and ladder kind of a, you know, scenario at the end, pass the ball downfield, guy catches it, laterals it, laterals it. And then one of the laterals ends up bouncing uh, on the ground up to a Mississippi state player. And he returns it for, uh, with no time remaining. So, so, mm-hmm. so they actually, so Mississippi state actually won by 10 points, but, but it was actually a three point game, you know, uh, when the clock went to zero. <laughs> so, it was uh, it was pretty interesting, uh, but you're right. I mean, we we've, we've been fortunate, and I think part of that though too is that you know the game, the teams we have in our games, you know, not only are they from great conferences, but when they come down to our game, they're playing on New Year's Day. They're they're hyped up for it. They're hyped up to play an opponent from the other conference. Um, you know, bragging rights and all that, and they really come to play, and so. They don't mail it in uh, in our game. Uh, these teams come to play. They play hard. They hit hard. Uh, they're there to win the game, and um, and you know typically uh, that results in a, in a in a very competitive game and a very exciting game. Well, I think it's interesting because uh, earlier in the first half hour of the show, uh, when Roy was on with us, we talked about you know what's happening in the Tampa area right now, and of course uh, a little bit of blood on. What's happening is what happened with the two playoff games. Uh, 
19,000 at the first game. I don't know how the official attendance for game number two was 19,704. But you've gained over the years, you said almost 30 years now, you've gained such tremendous support not only from fans and buyers and sponsors, uh, but from the community. I mean, uh, this is really a – whether it's New Year's Day or whether it's the day after New Year's Day, depending on what pro football is going on that day or it's a Sunday or what it is. Uh, this, this thing has really carried over with tremendous momentum. Yeah, we, we, well, we, this, is, this will be our 38th year uh, with the bowl game here in Tampa, and, and uh, we're very proud of that. Um, you're right. I mean, we've, we've become a really part of the, uh, the sports tradition here in Tampa. Uh, the Tampa Bay area, really the whole area, you know, has a very strong sports tradition um, that, that has been built up over the over the years with the, obviously our pro teams and and um, you know we we have uh, you know obviously the hockey team has won you know numerous Stanley Stanley Cups. Uh, the Rays have been in the World Series and in the playoffs quite a few times. Um, the Bucks obviously um, have you know won multiple Super Bowls and. And, and our area has hosted the national championship game. We've hosted the final four. We've hosted the frozen four. We've hosted the, um, uh, the Super Bowl five times. So there's a lot of, a lot of sports tradition here. Um, and, and, uh, so, you know, that, that's, uh, people that really love their sports, um, in this marketplace. And, and I know the Rays, uh, I, I, I wasn't able to see the, the game, uh, today or yesterday, but, um, I know some people talking about the, the crowds and all that, but you know, I, I went to my uh, my family went to three Rays games this year. I think this summer, um, and every game uh, they drew uh, well over thirty thousand at those games. Uh, and I know their attendance was up uh, about a half million this year over last year. Um, so um, so they they are doing much better there. And they, uh, they they they're trying to they they're finalizing plans for a new stadium, which I think will will help uh, their situation as long as they can keep you know staying competitive as well as they as they've been doing. So um, you know, so I, I I think we've got a great sports market here, and and um, uh, we're proud to be a part of it. Hey, Mike, Mike uh, the- Roger again. The uh, a couple of things. Uh, what I, my point can hear was you now. earlier. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Well, you know. At, at technology today, Mike. You know what can I tell you? Um, right. But a right. couple of a couple of things. Uh, number one, getting back to my original point, the NBA has been in that situation with the NCAA for years. Uh, with you know, you play one year, whatever the case might be, or no years like LeBron. Uh, but that, that's number one. Number two is just to follow up with Don's point. It takes a lot of people like you to make an endeavor as as long as yours successful. Okay. People don't understand how, uh, how much time it takes and, and the people involved. And, but uh, the, my point of and to follow up with you, I think that the dogs have played dog competition. I'm sorry to say that. And, uh, I mean, you know, when you're playing the ladies of, of Sisters of the Poor, you, 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 oh, you, they're going to get a big payday, okay, and you're going to get a win, but I don't think it does anything for for your stature. You you agree with mm-hmm. me with that or not? 
Well, yeah, but I don't think that uh, I don't think they played the sisters this year. But but they, <laughs> they but yeah, I understand what you're what you're getting at. But you know, most of the teams do that. Most of the teams, you know, start out with some some teams, you know, some smaller level teams and so forth. And and frankly, they do that to sort of you know get their their team used to playing and um, and so forth. I mean, and get their six not that wins. Get their that, six that wins to get into a bowl. Well, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I mean, some some do that, but I'm. I'm. I'm saying that you know the 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 really good programs they don't they don't play a lot of those games. They they play a couple. Everybody plays some non conference games. I mean, that's you know, uh, you know, I going back to my college days. I remember too, though, you know, from the side that, you know, trying to schedule non conference games a lot of times was really hard because you didn't know because there were a lot of teams that would, that didn't want to play you. You know, uh, because you know you were, you know, they didn't want to get beat up by you. Um, so, you know, the, but I, I go, it goes back to I think you know with Georgia this year, I, I just don't think that they they they've been beat up. They've had some injuries. Uh, they lost a lot of a lot of good players over the last couple of years, and and so you know they're trying to find themselves a little bit. And they're trying to reset you know their team a little bit and and figure out what they got this year. And I think Alabama's has gone through that too a little bit. You know. I mean, you know, some of these teams, you know, you, you think about some of these teams, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the world, you know, Michigan's, Penn State's, the, the big, big names, right? You know, when they're sending 12, 15 guys to the NFL year after year after year after year, okay, somewhere down the road, down the pipeline, you know, it's hard to reload and come out at the same level that you were the year before, Right. I mean, you know, you know, some teams have been able to do that. Alabama, we saw Alabama do that for about, you know, five or six years. But right. everybody's going to Georgia said 12 last year. Then they, I think with 12, Georgia yeah. said the NFL. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. You, you know, somewhere along the way, you're going to have a year or so where your your benches, you know, the the guys that are coming in to replace the other guys aren't quite as good as as they were, right? And and so you might have a little bit of a drop off, and fans don't always, you know, care. They don't care. They they do care. They don't appreciate that situation, um, uh, which puts so much pressure on these coaches and all that. But you know, it's like everybody goes through it. I mean, look look at Florida State. How many years were they? Did they finish in the top five or whatever, you know, right. of the country? And then and then suddenly, for about what four or five years, they were nowhere to be found. You know, yeah. and you know, and, and and again, that's a little bit unusual situation. But you know, every team goes through that to to some extent. Those the big name teams, you know, when they start when they're when they're just churning out guys and you know guys leaving early for the NFL or just playing NFL talent. I mean, even if they're all seniors, you know, you got a team that out there and and you know half half your team, half your starters are you know are, are NFL caliber players that go on to the NFL. And now you got to replace them next year with, you know, transfers or, or freshmen. You know, that's right. a hard thing to do. And again, you've seen situations, you know, the Clemson's, the Alabama's, on occasion where they can do that for a few years, but eventually it's going to catch up to them. And it's and they're going to have maybe a couple of years where they they got to start build, you know, start start building up that that reservoir of that's that's behind that's not only the starters but behind the starters. You know what I mean? Because the difference between the teams like the Georgias, Alabamas, in the last couple of years, and, and those guys that have done so well every single year, is that you know not only do they replace the guys 
you know, who they lost from the previous year. But during the course of the year, when somebody goes down, they got another guy to come right back, come right in and, and fill that spot. I mean, Georgia, how many, how many unbelievable running backs that they have the last two years in, in, uh, in that, in that uh, for that team. And they, it just seems like they were just like popping them out of, you know, of a machine or something. They were just all, you know, they had three, four or five running backs. And it's like one guy goes down. That's fine. We got three more over here, you know, next one up, you know, uh, you and know, it was this year doesn't that, like maybe they have they have that depth, you know, kind of thing. So that's what I'm saying. You know, the, it, it's hard to maintain that 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 level that 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 premium level um, from year after year after year uh, with the with, no matter who you are. Well, the running backs, Mike, you're exactly right. Look at even when Mark Rick was there, Nick Chubb. I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of. I mean, he got hurt this year. Yeah, I told Don this story because uh, there's it was a young man I met whose father is originally uh, from Philadelphia, and uh, he uh, is uh, played at uh, Forsyth Central uh, near where I lived in in Georgia, and he is at Penn. And I was telling Don this this shocked me. I went through the University of Pennsylvania roster. I could not believe the number of Georgia players that are on that roster at uh, Penn, you know, which you wouldn't Hmm. think for an Ivy League school. Now, this young man is a biology major pre-med, okay? So, but, Hmm. I mean, I think that also says something about that here's an Ivy League school that's recruiting from Georgia, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Boys, we got to move along, but, uh, Mike, thank you very, very much. Kept you a little bit longer because – Tony had to drop out because of a technical problem, but uh, thank you so much for being with us again. We'll catch up in the next couple of weeks as as we continue toward the middle of the season and later in the season, it's going to become more compelling and you're going to have more answers for us as we go along. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you, Mike. Always always a pleasure to be with you guys and and to talk football. So you guys have a great week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you down the road. Okay, take care. Well, well, we had we've had three interesting guests so far, and uh, and we will continue because uh, we haven't talked soccer in uh, quite a long time because we were off the air for quite a few weeks, Uh, a little bit of a hiatus for everybody, and now we're back in uh, in conjunction with. uh, What's happening in the world of sports, and uh, so we get uh, as we do as we do each week. Ron is always the first. Then we had Sonny Hill, and then we have Mike Schulte, and I think we're going to talk soccer now, aren't we, uh, uh, Frank? I hope uh, <laughs> we were supposed to. Mike was supposed to call in about ten minutes ago. I don't know what happened to him. Well, the Phillies okay. just scored. They, t- they took the lead, one nothing, and uh, Schwerber got a uh, double. But what was interesting is uh, the uh, Marlins uh, runner that really got on because it was, could have been a uh, an error, but it was a tough catch for Pache uh, out in the left field. I don't, you were probably watching it, Don Frank, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And then he got on, and uh, Schwerber just drove him in. But uh, uh, the uh, Nola was able to pick that guy off trying to steal. No, I saw him in the game this to... afternoon, the Toronto game this afternoon. I can't imagine. They talked all year about the base running in Major League Baseball here, how poor it is. 
and how yeah. the fundamentals have just gone totally out the window. And here's a, a game this afternoon. Your team's down two nothing, and you got a runner on second base, and he gets picked off. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 it boggles your mind. You can't imagine what kind of baseball is this. Yeah, what, what are they teaching? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and when Nola, I mean, the guy's running. That wasn't Nola really close. Him out. He was he was midway between second and third, and Nola just yeah. turned around, threw the ball to third base. He was out by forty feet. Yeah, and and if he had gone gone around yeah. to the left, it, it would have been closer. So, oh, hey guys, crazy. we're uh, the guy that uh, Don just asked for has arrived. Oh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Simzak. Mr. Simzak. Well, I got a couple of questions for Mr. Simzak tonight. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I'm uh, sorry. Phillies, I'm sorry. Phillies are, uh, Phillies are just not Schwartz did not just arrive. Schwartz just scored two. 2-0 is favorite of the Phillies right now. Schwartz comes in on a base hit. But let's get to Mike. Mike. Yep. No, we don't have to. It's, it's Doug. Outside of the. Oh, it's Doug. What? Doug. Doug. Oh, yeah. it's Doug. Yes, it's Doug. <laughs> oh, Doug. Our, our, our commander in chief is having a night tonight, boys. Right. <laughs> well, I got I'm questions for Doug too. I got I had I had a lot of questions for Doug last week, but we didn't get to it. The Ryder Cup. <laughs> Let's start with that. Uh, what a what a disgrace that was for the United States, Doug. And more importantly, uh, the the the. The way the team was formulized, uh, the criticism that they've gotten as uh, players during the tournament itself, uh, mm-hmm. you're a PGA professional, you've been in the business all your life, you join us every week. What in the world is going on with something like this at professional golf? Well, I, I would first start by saying this is the first Ryder Cup that I can remember that I didn't watch one second of, Ooh, you know, really? um, I, I mean, the, I, I don't know if it was me or, or, or what, but like, I'm thinking, you know, they're going to show this, you know, live and it's going to be, you know, I, I never found it on TV. I mean, I don't, no, I don't know the golf channel it. or anything. The, the live I, channels I were mean, one o'clock in the morning. It was on NBC at one o'clock in the morning. And then, it was on later on in the uh, in the in the morning yeah. too, like six or seven, uh, and then I, it was on Peacock. They had to go over to Peacock. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think that the whole setup of it was really kind of piss poor, and I, I never watched one second of it. I watched the opening ceremony, um, and that was it. I, I never watched one second of it, and I don't know if it just you know I think it just kind of turned me off. You know what I mean? That. I felt like I should be able to watch it when I wanted to watch it or at least live. Um, you know, cause I mean, I'm up every day, you know, five, five thirty, whatever. And I'm flipping through channels thinking, all right, yeah, man, the Ryder cup's on today. And I'm like, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. So I, I had my phone and I was looking at the updates and after, you know, it was what six and a half, one and a half or whatever it was the first day, you know, um, yeah. it was just, I don't know. You know, I'm sure that I, I, listen, I, I got to agree with you. I, not only that, but you you couldn't tell who was playing half the time. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, it, 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 I, I mean, I did watch it. I did watch it, but I got to tell you, it, it was not a, well, it was not an entertaining television presentation. I'll tell you that. Look, I'm certain that 
this this came down the pike how many years ago when you know we decided we were going to form a Ryder Cup committee and we were going to have you know different methods in which we were going to pick our team and then obviously the captain gets his picks but you know um, he he kept sticking Spieth and and Thomas out there together and you know just he kept making you know in my opinion the same mistakes and and some of the pairings and and you know the Ryder Cup is you know it's like it's like when you watch an NHL playoff game you get a you get a hot goaltender and all of a sudden everything changes right you get a team that probably uh, no, where they are you got you got caddies fighting in the parking lot <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> look you this know is incredible. once you get closer once you get closer to the Ryder Cup i mean you you want to make your captain's picks based on the players that are playing well at the time you know, you don't you don't want to look back and say, oh, well, we, you know, we, gosh, we need some veteran leadership here. These guys have been in this thing before. Let's let's pick Spieth and let's pick uh, Justin Thomas or you know whatever. Let's, I, I don't know. I mean, it, the whole thing seemed, I don't know. I guess I was just turned off by the whole entire. It, and in my well, opinion, Roger, like, we got we got Doug on here with two teams that are red hot: the Ravens <laughs> and of course the uh, Orioles. And uh, we've been talking yeah. about the Orioles all year, so. Roger, I'll let you pick it up on the baseball side for a few minutes. Tell you, Doug, the one thing uh, I missed last week, but uh, one of the great gentlemen and, and great baseball players of all time and a hero of yours, Brooks Robinson, uh, passing away. And then last night uh, before the Phillies game, they uh, they honored the passing of Tim Wakefield. I, I had no idea that he uh, – was a Roberto Clemente winner, you know, unless it's nearby, mm-hmm. you you don't know. But uh, sure. I know, talk, you know, as a Baltimore Orioles lifer, mm-hmm. uh, you, you grew up, uh, you know, probably uh, after Robinson's career. But what, what a classy guy and what a great player. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I can remember, I mean, vaguely remember, um going to 33rd Street, uh, Old Memorial Stadium. And, you know, my dad, probably my grandfather too, um, you know, likely took me some of those games. And you're talking probably um, late 70s. But, I mean, you know, I've met um, through the years of being a PGA professional and hosting different charity events. I mean, I've met Brooks Robinson a bunch of times uh, at those Mm -hmm. events. I've met him. Um, in sidebar events, whether he was just playing golf or not. I, I mean, I've met Al Bumbry, and, uh, of course, my mom was a huge Boot Pal fan. I've met Eddie Murray. Um, you know, all, all of the guys that kind of, like, to me, like, I know exactly where I was when the Orioles won the World Series against the Phillies. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was sitting in the chair next to my grandfather at his house when Cal Ripken caught the last out of that World Series. And I, I, I remember that, you know, I was in Channel 29 doing a post-game show. I remember where I was, too. (laughs) Right? And I, yeah, I remember where I was, too. And I I was driving back with our friend Frank Hillman uh, from that first game in Baltimore. And you're listening to, and we're listening to WBAL. The fans were all saying, Mm -hmm. oh, the O's are going to get swept. Well, they swept. Mm -hmm. They didn't get swept. You know, Correct. the next four games, 93. Sure. So, I mean, you you got to understand 83, that. As 83, a, as, I'm sorry. As, yeah, 1983, uh, as yeah. a Baltimore Orioles fan. I mean, we've had some good years. I mean, they were, the better years of the Orioles were previous to 1983. Um, you know, that was pretty pretty much a, you know, you're, you just 
you know, bouncing around here, but think about the fact that Jim Palmer won his 20th game to solidify four 20-game winners on the same staff. You don't even see a 20-game winner in baseball anymore. They had four of them on their on their staff. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, you know, they the the, the Dodgers that they beat in the World Series, the Big Red Machine, um, you know, the Phillies. I mean, in my opinion, I, I just feel like Baltimore and the Orioles have always had a version of, and even the Ravens to that to that extent have had a small chip on their shoulder because what really pains me is, you know, you look at the Orioles last year and they win 83 games. They weren't supposed to do that, right? Now right. all of a sudden, oh, well, they're, you know, they're going to regress this year. They they can't, you know, so we win 101 games. Right. And and now you're going to, you're going to hear all this about all, you know, about the Orioles and how good they are and and you know, it it's to me it sucks to hear that those the Baltimore Orioles come out of some of these media people's mouths because they don't deserve to say it. You know. <laughs> Um, you know, because they're going to well, get you were on the, you were on the bandwagon early. I mean, you said we would, we talked for the day of starting spring training and talked about some of the young players starting with Henderson. It looks like he's going to be a real giant star down through the years. And uh, sure. But the day he made that strong move the second half of last year and then jumped right out of the gate to start this year, and you were well, concerned about, well, maybe they need one more starting pitcher to get to the top. Yeah. But they got there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah number one seed. It's like I said, I mean, the spotlight was not shining on the Baltimore Orioles, you know, at all. Now all of a sudden everybody's poised to put the spotlight on them like, you know, oh, yeah, look at this gem I uncovered in sound. Let's talk about the Baltimore. No, 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 no. You don't deserve <laughs> to do that. You know what I mean? You don't get that right. Right? So um, – it's going to be interesting. I mean, they played six games against the Texas Rangers this year, and they split. Um, good news is for Baltimore, I mean, Kyle Bradish is likely to be – he'll garner some Cy Young Award votes, and he should. His ERA was sub three this year. Um, he's going to pitch game one, and I'm thinking that for Texas, since they had to play this three-game series, you're probably getting Texas's third or fourth best starters in – the first two games. So, I mean, I think that's somewhat of an advantage. Obviously, playing at home is, is a bit of an advantage. Uh, I'd like to think the rest is, but is it rest or is it rust? You know, th- those are, those are you know, important kind of concepts for the Orioles to come out and, and play well. I'll, I'll be super excited to, you know, I already, I already told, uh, told my wife, I know how she is on pins and nails when, when Georgia plays. I said, you don't see nothing yet to the Orioles play in this one because, I mean, <laughs> Was well, it 2014 was the last time I kind of gave a crap about the Orioles um, in terms of their postseason and, and, and what it meant uh, to, to win and, and what that felt like. Um, you know, when you're a fan and your team is – I mean, I love postseason baseball anyway. And to see mm-hmm. these stadiums packed and, and the whole entire crowd is just waiting to stand up and cheer and roar. And you hear that moment where – the crack of the bat and, and there's a double in the gap and the, I mean, the place goes crazy. Like to me, that's, there's no, I mean, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up to even think about it, you know? Um, and, and to have that concept hopefully play out at, at Camden is, is super exciting to me. Um, and in fact, I've always uh, loved football season and, and watching any teams play, particularly the Ravens clearly, but, I'm all in, I'm all in on the Orioles. Like I I haven't even really cared about football season to this point, to be honest with you, because of, of how well they've played this year. So, um, can't wait. Roger. 
Oh, I agree. I, I'm really uh, uh, up about the uh, the O's and, and what would be a, a great uh, situation for me would be to have the O's and the Phillies in the World Series. Yeah. And I think, Don, yeah. you'd be the same way. Well, well we were there. We were there when it happened before. I mean, it wasn't a good move necessarily for the Phillies, but we were there. We were there when it happened. Well, yeah. The the national media and the darling matchup would be obviously the Orioles and the Braves. Um, you know, in terms of hopefully expecting. Um, you know, we played the Braves three games and likely should have beaten them two out of three, but it went the other way. Uh, on, mm-hmm. I don't think it was an implosion by the bullpen or walk off or I don't know I forget what it was but I mean you know again we I, I always revert back to the fact that you know you look at some of these teams that are remaining and you, you look at the Dodgers you look at the Braves you look at uh, we'll say Philadelphia we'll say Houston I mean look at a lot of these teams that are left and you look at their payroll and then you look at the Orioles payroll mm-hmm. and then you tell mm-hmm. me you tell me that baseball isn't broken and doesn't need some level of adjustment because that's not fair because you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take twenty dollars and go buy me some dinner. You know what, Roger? You, you can have uh, you can have ten you can have ten bucks, right? You know, that's what you get for dinner. That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't you know I don't understand any of that, but whatever. Well, it's so. like the NFL, you know, has uh, joint sharing. You know, uh, uh, so well, everything's fair. divided Everybody, up. And, but sure. if you're a good marketer, then you make more money because you're, it's what you invest. Yourself, yeah. Well, look well, what happened all... last week on Sunday night. Last Sunday night with with uh, what was her name? Uh, I can't remember what's the name of the girl that sang. That's the with. Uh... Oh, uh, uh, the, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Swifty. Yeah, 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 yeah Swifty. Yeah, Swifty. Look what it, look what it, look what they were selling tickets for for that game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean it was so I mean, far I... over the price. Unbelievable. That's the dumbest thing. I. I... I was if you were if you were anywhere near my house on that game you would have heard me curse because that's the stupid I mean spent more the media has spent more time talking about that dumb blank stuff than than the football game you know and I'm like can we just yeah. play football I, I don't care like it you know whatever I mean they want the publicity they're getting all the publicity and all the money that's all Doug that's all they're interested in and more money and the more publicity they blow it up so she can come in and uh, yeah have a big show and uh, oh. well I mean. You know, look, that's that's a completely different entity for me because I, I'd like to keep my private life private. You know, um, <laughs> I, I don't. That's not how I. That's not how I live my life. But you know, if they want to sell some more eighty-seven jerseys, then have at it. I'm not buying one. Well, you know what's Roger. interesting, Doug, and and I know Don and Frank are aware of this. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey are totally different in their personalities in many ways. Sure. Absolutely. You know, Jason is a, a family man, got little kids, yeah. okay, yeah. you know, does so much uh, in the community. Well, he, he oh, probably likes funny. to hunt and fish and good yeah, old country exactly. boy. And, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I get it. And, and Travis is all uh, show, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, publicity. Coach. Yeah, all kinds of Yeah. Things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, I mean, you know, people people in this day and age think that they're their own brand. You know, you look at you know Tom Brady, TB12. You know, all the uh, you know all these people, Rafael Nadal. All these guys have their own you know logos and stuff. You know what I mean? Like they think that they're 
you know, their own brand, their own entity. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's gotta be tough to, to put your finger on that kind of stuff when you're in this, you're standing in the middle of a locker room with 52 other guys and you're all chasing the same thing. What makes you special? What makes you selfish to think that, you know, the rest of the world should care about your personal relationship, right? You know, is Taylor Swift going to sing a song about Travis Kelsey when they break up? I mean, who cares, right? (laughs) And that's probably, and that's probably three weeks down the road. Right, sure. exactly. Yeah. Or so. Well, how about how about the Ravens? Because uh, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess uh, he had won what fourteen, thirteen, or fourteen consecutive ex- exhibition games, and never, never lost one until this year. But uh, yeah. it looks like he's got another pretty good team. He, his his yeah. drafting, his signings, uh, his team looks like it's going to be really competitive right up to the wire again. Well, I mean, I think, you know, they put their money where their mouth was when they re-signed Lamar Jackson, and so goes Jackson, so goes the Ravens. I mean, that's it's really that simple. Um, you know, we've, we've had a history uh, in recent time of dealing with significant injuries to vital players uh, that produce. Um, you know, uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, we, we were out left at starting. Ronnie Stanley was out. Tyler Lindenbaum was out. We lost J.K. Dobbins for the season. Uh, our, our starting uh, free safety was out. We had uh, Beckham was out. Bateman was out. Um, we've dealt with Ajabo was out. Owe was out. I mean, you, you look at all the key position players uh, that, that we've been missing the last couple weeks. Uh, we got really lucky. Let this. me just interrupt for a second and say, Real Muto just hit a home run for the Phillies. Uh, yeah. so they're not up by a score of three to nothing, and uh, uh, he hit one at dead left field. Sure. Uh, no question it was going out. I think the Ravens got really lucky that the Browns have a, a very good football team, uh, extremely elite defense, and we were able to run the ball very well, and they started the rookie quarterback because Watson, Watson couldn't go. Um, so that was, a, that was a really big win, I think, for Baltimore, and I think they're going to they're gonna cruise into Pittsburgh this week. I don't, I don't know what uh, the, the health status of Kenny Pickett is, but, um, you know, Matt Canada is their offensive coordinator, and he's – he is not really good at his job. Um, you know, I think he's been their offensive coordinator a couple of years, and I think the Steelers are the only team in football that haven't amassed more than 400 total yards in a game more than twice or something. It was some statistic that I heard. But, um, I mean, their defense is pretty elite as well uh, with some of their pass rush uh, with, with Wad and, and the back end of their safety with Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, but I think – Harbaugh and his his crew will will come up with a scheme, and I think you'll see another smash mouth kind of football game uh, with you know defensive prowess, and uh, hopefully the Ravens can score just enough points to win that game, and that would be huge because that would be their third conference win, um, you know, and a big deal early in the season. Well, Roger Martindale's taking some heat now with the Giants, you know, after I defended him when he left the uh, the Ravens. He's taking sure. a lot of heat. A lot of heat. <laughs> the Giants are uh, – I don't know what happened. I mean, every every year you look around and you'll see, you know, some, some daisies pop up where, gosh, I didn't think they were very good, you know, and, and all of a sudden they surprise you. And then you'll see it go the other way. Gosh, they were a really good football team. And then all of a sudden they stink. Like the Giants just aren't really that good right now. I mean, they dealt with their own right. share of injuries. But Wink Martindale is a, is a good football mind. It's not like he doesn't know what he's, what he's doing. Um, 
But a lot of that's the scheme of the game that's played. I mean, when you're turning the football over and you're giving the other team a short field, of course your defense is going to suffer. You know, when when your special teams doesn't play well and you give that def- that offense a short field, your defense is going to suffer. You know, I mean, it's you know, it's not all that cat's fault. I mean, I I don't personally. I mean, when he was in Baltimore, he wasn't coordinators. I don't like his scheme um, pertaining to how much he blitzed and and how much pressure he put on the back end of that secondary to cover. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Baltimore's had more than their share of really, really good defensive core. I mean, I liked Rex Ryan. I liked um, uh, Marvin, uh, you know, I'm talking about, I can't think of his name. Was it Marvin Lewis? Um, yeah, Marvin Lewis, that then was the head coach he, for uh, quite a while. He was a he was a prince. I met him a couple different times. He was a super nice guy. Loved how he schemed up the defense, won a Super Bowl. Um, they've had their share of, of good guys. I mean, I, I liked – Actually, I hate to say it. I liked Rex Ryan because he was so vocal and arrogant. You know what I mean? In that sense, cocky. I, I loved how he, you know, played his his defensive schemes. And and he's the kind of guy that if he's if he's your coach, you love him. If he's not, you hate him. Um, well, like his father. Know, so. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Don and I love Buddy. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, he would just be Same a classic way. at press conferences. Yeah. Sure. The thing I can't understand, the thing I can't understand, fellas, is this. We went through the baseball spring training, and, I mean, New York has, and the New York Post, they must have 10 different writers every day writing their bets, writing writing everything. I mean, not one of them picked the Mets to have a problem. Not one of them picked the Yankees to have a problem. Not one of them has picked the Giants to have a problem. In fact, they went and talked about, the defense being as good this year as the Buddy Ryan defense was in the Chicago Barrier. I mean, no, I, I, I don't know what these guys are looking at. I mean, what what in the you, world? Are you specifically, Don, talking about the New York media? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, okay, well, here's what you have to know. People from New York, especially like New York City, are some of the most arrogant cusses you'll ever meet in your entire <laughs> life. You you would have thought, uh, Aaron Judge, you know, 60 home, Yankees, 27 wins, who cares? <laughs> we, I, we went to opening day, and there was a Yankee fan that sat behind us, and he was, you know, cussing up a storm because Clark Schmidt started opening day. And... He's not one of our starters. We're hurt, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I turned around, I looked at the guy, and I said, are you kidding me? He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you have the highest payroll in baseball. You couldn't have spent another 50 or $60 million to buy another pitcher? And then he got all <laughs> mad at me. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, see where, we'll see where the Orioles and the Yankees are at the end of the season. I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah, we'll see. So I wish I could find that guy because he, he probably owes me at least a beer <laughs> because the Yankees finished in last place, and it. That's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Then you look at the Jets. Oh yeah, you know we got we got Aaron Rodgers. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Oh come on, man, get get real. What are you smoking? Can I have some of that? Because it'll make me feel oh. really good. We got to get out, boys. Doug, thanks for jumping in early. We'll get to you <laughs> next weekend again. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for your participation, Roger. It's all up to you. Always great. Our executive okay. director, Frank Terrell. You got it. Have a great week, guys. Right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. These programs are brought to you. Each and every night of the week, and grateful for Michigan, the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women, police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know that you know who they are. Make some kind of a gesture to them, a wink of the eye, or anything like that. And we want to uh, also just say this program is dedicated to uh, 
Deputy Bob Carroll, um, with the formerly with the Sarasota County Sheriff's Department.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 